helping people cope with and overcome life's challenges. This is Life Transformations with Michael Hart, Canadian Certified Counselor and Award-Winning Psychotherapist. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Life Transformation Show. In today's show, Michael Hart of Elam Counseling Services will be teaching on the topic, Haman, the Father of Narcissists. And he will be using the biblical text from Esther chapter 3 to 7. You can find out more about our not-for-profit organization or make a donation to our ministry by going to elimcounselingministry.com. Elim is spelled E-L-I-M, counseling with two L's, ministry.com, or by calling 1-877-544-3546. Let's go right into today's show. In today's show, Haman, the father of narcissists, We will be using the biblical character of Haman as found in the book of Esther to discuss the subject of narcissism. And we will show that Haman could be diagnosed with a personality disorder of narcissism. In fact, Haman had seven of the nine criteria that the DSM-4, that is the Diagnostical Statistical Manual for Mental Disorder, he had seven of the nine criteria that is specified in the DSM-4. And not only that does he have seven of the nine, but to be diagnosed with the men, with the personality disorder of narcissism, you only need five of the nine. So according to the DSM-4, it reads as follows. It's a, that narcissism is a pervasive pattern of grandiosity in fantasy or behavior, need for admiration, and a lack of empathy beginning by early adulthood and present in a variety of contexts as indicated by five or more of the following. So as we go through specific scriptures, specific uh, verses from the book of Esther, you will see that these verses will be reflecting seven of the nine criterias that are specified in the DSM-4. So we're going to be using uh, psychological research to to discuss this topic. We are going to be using scriptures and we are going to be uh, putting it together in a way that will help you to be able to identify narcissism. We are also going to be pointing to some of the dangers of having this personality disorder. And we are going to be uh, also pointing out through the actions of Mordecai, who is the person that opposed Haman in the book of Esther, what are some of the things you can do if you are faced with a narcissist? And we say Haman is the father of present-day narcissists because he typifies many of the character traits of narcissists. In psychology, the Greek mythological figure of Narcissus is used to refer to narcissism And as a result, the term narcissism actually comes from that Greek mythological figure's name. So Narcissus was a Greek hunter, the son of the river god Cephisus. And as the the myth goes, Narcissus was so beautiful and so in love with himself that he didn't think anyone was worthy to be in a relationship with him. And 
The myth says that one day Narcissus saw his reflection in a pool of water and he became so fascinated with his beauty that when he realized that he could not have himself, he ended up committing suicide. So Narcissus is where we get the term narcissism from. But we could actually ter- name the term Hamanism because Haman, I think, fits the character of narcissism much more than Narcissus if we use the definition found in the DSM-4. I'd also like to say that I choose to do, I chose to do this topic today because narcissism is becoming very popular. There are so many articles online, so many videos about narcissism, but not only is it becoming popular in terms of what is being recorded about it, but the incidence of narcissism is becoming more prevalent as well. And so Peter Gray, PhD, who wrote the the book, Why is Narcissism Increasing Among Young Americans? Quoted, I'm quoting a section here from that, and, and quote, he said, Over the years, these questionnaires have been administered to many samples of college students, and analysis that bring all of the data together revealed that the average narcissism score has been steadily increasing, and the average empathy score has been steadily decreasing ever since the questionnaires were developed. The changes are highly significant statistically and sufficiently large that approximately 70% of students today score higher on narcissism and lower on empathy than did the average student 30 years ago. So according to Peter Gray, narcissism is on the increase. Narcissism is becoming more and more more and more common. And we should not be surprised by this because the Bible predicted that in the last days, narcissism would increase. Of course, the Bible didn't use the term narcissism. But if you turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 2, you will find the following. Verse 2 says, For people will love only themselves and their money. That term, loving themselves, is a good description of what narcissism is. But the, the, the verse goes on to say, they will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents, and ungrateful. So we read the term disobedient to parents, and we are wondering, maybe some of you might be wondering, what does this have to do with narcissism? Why is this this section here in this passage about the end times and about narcissism. Well, actually, what this is saying to us is that the generation that is narcissistic in the last days, they will throw off, throw away the values and the the moral compasses that has been 
has been given to them by their parents in the pursuit of pleasure, in, in, in fulfilling their lust, in gratifying themselves. And so they will be disobedient, not meaning like little children not obeying their parents, but disobedient in the self that they will not follow, they will not adhere to the morality or the standard of their parents. And when we look around us, we can say that this is happening in our society today. So let's go now to the, the, the passage that I will be referring to in Esther. And as I said, we'll be not reading the entire text because it's too lengthy for the purpose of this broadcast. But most of it is found in Esther chapter 3 through, through to chapter 6. And so in these passages in this section, I will be pulling particular verses that will highlight the, the, character, the characteristic of narcissism that is found in Haman. So those of us who don't know this story, Haman was someone who was very high up in the ranks in the king's palace. And Mordecai is a Jew who refused to bow down to Haman. And Haman became very enraged as a result of, of Mordecai not showing him what he thought was his deserved respect. And so Haman came up with a plot to kill Mordecai. And so as we go through, we're going to see more of this story. But the as the story unfolds, we can see more and more traits of narcissism coming out. So let me just go through them one by one. So the first of the seven characteristics of narcissism that Haman displayed in the story is that he is preoccupied with fantasies of unlimited success and power. That's one of the, the things that the DSM uh, talked about. And so this preoccupation with, with, with unlimited success and power can be seen by the fact that in chapter 3, verse 5, when Mordecai did not bow down to him, we are told that Haman became enraged when he saw that Mordecai would not kneel down or pay him honor. In other words, he is preoccupied with the fantasy of importance and power, and he wants every single person to bow down to him. So the fact that everyone else would bow down every time he walked by, he was not happy with that. Him, Mordecai, that one man who would not, bothered him greatly. And we read more about that in the story. But he became so enraged that he wanted to destroy not only Mordecai, but he wanted to destroy even Mordecai's people, the Jews, because Mordecai, this one man, would not bow down to him. And that leads us into the second uh, trait of narcissism, in that narcissists lack empathy. Because we read in Esther chapter 3 and verse 6, that yet having learned who Mordecai's people were, he scorned the idea of killing only Mordecai. Instead, Haman looked for a way to destroy all Mordecai's people, the Jews, throughout the whole kingdom 
of Xerxes. So we see here that Mordecai is now at risk of being killed and his entire people is there's there's about to be a genocide because he Mordecai refused to bow down to Haman. So if you're dealing with someone who is a narcissist and who has this preoccupation with power, maybe they're in a certain position at work and everyone has to bow down to them and treat them as they're special and you are a person who does not do that. You do your job and you do what is necessary, but you don't go above and beyond to make this person feel special. You can be sure that you will reap the wrath of this person who is a narcissist. They'll find some way to punish you for not bowing down to them, for not making them feel as special as everyone else around them do. So we have this one man, Mordecai, that is standing out and now he's at risk of being killed because Haman is insulted that he will not bow down to him. So let's now look at the third thing that we see, the third trait of narcissism that we see in this story. So now uh, Haman came up with a plot as to how he was going to get Haman killed, but he couldn't do this on his own because he was not the king. So he had to get the the king to be part of this plot. And so what Haman did was to make the king feel as if Mordecai was somehow dishonoring the king. So in Esther 3 verse 8 to 10, we read the following. And they do not obey the king's laws. Is it not in the king's best interest to tolerate? It is not in the king's best interest to tolerate them. And I will give 10,000 talents of silver to the king's administrator for royal treasury. So in other words, he's saying that the Jews is not obeying the king's laws and that it's not in the king's best interest to tolerate the Jews. So he's now come up with this plot and he's getting the king on board by saying it's all about your, I have your interest at heart, King. It's all about people showing respect to you when in fact it wasn't about the king at all. It was about getting this man Mordecai killed and all his people. Michael will be right back. You have been listening to the Life Transformation Show where award-winning psychotherapist Michael Hart of Elim Counseling Services has been teaching on the topic, Haman, the father of narcissists. You can find out more about us at elimcounselingministry.com where you can also make a donation to this Christ-centered ministry. Back to Michael. So the DSM-4 says that uh, people who are narcissists are interpersonally exploitative. And this is what Haman is doing here. He's exploiting the king. He's making the king feel that he has his interests at heart when in fact he only wants to get Mordecai killed and he wants to get the Jews killed as a way of hurting Mordecai. So you can be sure that if you're dealing with a narcissist, you're going to be manipulated 
there's going to be what we call gaslighting, which is a form of of distorting reality to make you believe something that's not actually so. And so in this story, we could use the term gaslighting here to say that he was actually gaslighting the king. This is a, a term that comes from the 1940 movie called Gaslighting, in which the the male character in the in the show was trying to get his wife Paula to believe that she was mentally ill so that he could he could get the power of attorney over over her her, her estate and so he would distort reality and make her feel that she was mentally ill as a way of getting her admitted to the mental institution. And so uh, narcissists are very good at distorting reality, of making you feel that what you're seeing or thinking is not real, in creating smokescreen and deception to change the reality of what's happening. And this is what this is what uh, Haman is doing here. He's getting the king to feel that the Jews are rebellious and they are, they are not not obedient to him and it's not in the king's interest to tolerate this. So the fourth point is that the DSM-4 says that uh, narcissists requires excessive admiration. So we talked about then the need, the preoccupation with unlimited success and power in number one. But this, this need for excessive admiration is something quite different. And, and we can get a picture of this in Esther chapter 5 and, and verse 9, which reads as follows. But when he saw Mordecai at the king's gate and observed that he neither rose nor showed fear in his presence, he was filled with rage against Mordecai. So now we can see how this has become excessive. In in the first point we covered, he was enraged because Haman would not kneel down or pay him honor. When we come to chapter 5 and verse 9, we can see that there is an in the, 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 this, the need for admiration has become more excessive. Now we are told that he is enraged, he's full of rage because Mordecai did not stand up in his presence and showed him fear. So this need for admiration has become so intense in Haman that he's mad at Mordecai for not fearing him, not showing fear in his presence and not rising to greet him as he goes by the king's gate. And so narcissists are like that. Their, their need for attention, their need to be honored can be so excessive to the point where it takes extreme forms. And so the next point that we find in the story that, that we see also in the Diagnostic Statistical Manual for Mental Disorder is that Amen shows arrogant, haughty behaviors or attitudes. And this haughty behaviors or attitudes can be found in Esther chapter 5 and verse 11, which reads as follows. Calling together his friends and Zeresh his wife, Haman boasted to them about his vast wealth, his many sons, and all the ways the king had honored him, and how he had elevated him above the other nobles and officials. So here we have 
we have Haman boasting about how how the king has honored him above all the other the other nobles and officials. So this is arrogance. This is this is pride. This is a haughty attitude. And so Haman is displaying these attitude because he's so wrapped up in in himself and he's so prideful that he has to call people together to boast about what he has. And so if you are around a narcissist, one of the things that you will notice is that a narcissist talks a lot about themselves. They will tell you everything about themselves and they will not ask you about your interests, about what you, what you want. If you're in a relationship with them, they'll not ask about what you want in the relationship. They will tell you what they require you to do and they will boast about their achievements and accomplishment, but your needs are not important to the narcissist. So here in this meeting with his friends and his wife Zerish, narcissist is focused on his achievements, his wealth, and he's focused on the position he has in the king's palace, and everyone has to hear about it. Maybe you are with someone where you are tired of how often they speak about what they have accomplished, or you're so tired of hearing about what they own and, and the properties that they have and the wealth that they have amassed. If this is the, the case, you are probably dealing with a narcissist. If you're entering into a relationship with someone and you're you're on a date and this person begins to tell you about their possessions and their 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 title in their workplace and it becomes this long conversation about all they have accomplished. Be careful because you could be dealing with a narcissist. This is what what the DSM-4 is talking about when it talks about arrogance and haughty behaviors and attitudes. And it's a very important point to to pay attention to because this is a telltale sign of narcissism. They talk a lot about themselves. The next point that we find in the story is in Esther chapter 6 and verse 6 to 10, where we are told from the DSM-4 that Narcissus has a grandiose sense of self-importance, and we see this in Esther 6, verse 6 to 10, which reads as follows. And maybe I should read a little bit before, a little bit above from verse 6, just to give a picture of what of what is going on here. Or maybe I'll, I'll just talk about that. So what is happening in the story is that the king has called Haman into the palace, and he said to Haman, what? What do you think I should do what I should do for a man that the king wants to honor? What do you think I should do for such a person? If the king wants to honor someone, to, to pay honor to someone, what do you think that the king should do? And right away we are told that Haman thought the king was thinking about honoring him. And here is what, what we read in chapter. 6 verse 6 to 10. Now Haman thought to himself, who is there that the king would rather honor than me? So he answered the king, for the man the king delights to honor, have them bring a royal robe to 
robe the king has worn, and the horse the king has ridden, one with a royal crest placed upon it. And it go, he goes on to say that the man should put the robe on and he should go on the king's horse and with the royal crest, this man should be led through the, the city and that there should be a shout following this man saying, this is the man that the king has decided to honor. And so he's doing all of this because this is what he wants. He wants the king's position. He wants to be honored in the way the king is honored. And that's how narcissism started. You know, we could say the devil was also the first father of, of narcissism because the, the Bible tells us that Lucifer wanted to be worshipped as God. And here we find we, we find uh, Haman want to be the king, want to be looked on as someone, uh, uh, looked on the way that people would look on the king. He wants to ride the king's horse and wear the king's robe through the street. And this is the extent to which Mordecai, to, sorry, this is the extent to which narcissists will go to, to feel important. They have no limit. Their sense of grandiosity has no bounds. And so we see this in the story that he is asking the king to do this elaborate thing because he thought, who is it that the king would want to honor? But the irony of the story is that the king was actually talking about honoring Mordecai. And little did he know that the, 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 the blessing or the honor that he was bestowing was upon the very man that he hated. And we'll talk more about that in a while, but let me get to the seventh and final point. The final point is that narcissists sees themselves as special and as deserving to associate with people who are special or have high status. So in Esther chapter 5 verse 12, we read that, that Haman is boasting and he's telling his friends and his wife that the queen as, that he's the only one that the queen has invited to this dinner that she's having for, for the king. And so this is as if to say to those people who are not as special as he is that, see, I am the only one. You guys are not as special as I am. And I am invited to dinner. I am the only one that is worthy of being in the king's presence and being with the king and the queen. So another trait of narcissism that we will see uh, we, how we will see this displayed is that they'll talk a lot about special people that they know, special people that they have they have spent time with, as if to say that somehow associating with these other people will make them special or somehow better than you. So, so there you have it, the seven traits of narcissism that we find in the book of Esther uh, in this character, Haman. And we should also say that there are two warnings here for narcissists in this story. And the first warning is that the honor that you are seeking as a narcissist will turn into disgrace because of the selfish way that you're going about it. And we see that the honor that Haman was seeking in this story 
turned to disgrace. It backfired and on him, and he was disgraced. The second warning is that the evil that narcissists plan for others often fall on them. So fall on the narcissist uh, in, instead. And so we see situations where a narcissistic mother might be alienating the children from the father and telling the children all manner of bad things about the father. And then the children, once you're old enough to realize what's happening, instead of hating the father as she had planned, uh, they turn around and they want nothing to do with her because she has she robbed them of an opportunity to be with their father. So those are the two warnings. So we want to thank you so much for being with us on this episode of the Life Transformation Show. We want to remind you that we are a not-for-profit organization and that you can support us. If you like this podcast, consider supporting us by making a donation at our Patreon page, patreon.com slash elimcounseling or making a donation through our website, elimcounselingministry.com. Elim is spelled E-L-I-M counseling with two L's ministry.com. We want to also ask you to subscribe to our YouTube channel where you can find many other podcasts like this. So until next time, this is your host, Michael Hart of Elim Counseling Services, praying that God would bless you in all your relationships and to keep you sound in mind and pure in heart. <music>